The Memorare. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to you, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To you I come, before you I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. The Gulf South. It's 7 a.m. Time to wake up on Catholic Community Radio. Good morning. You're listening to Wake Up on this beautiful Friday morning. We're so glad to have you with us today. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Alicia Quibito and Damian Colado. Hey, guys. Good happy morning. Friday. And happy good morning, Friday. Jay. Yes, you're right. It's a Weekend chilly one. Yeah. <laughs> it's chilly this morning. It was hard to get out of bed. Was it? One little extra blankie to take oh. with me when I got up. <laughs> today we celebrate the dedication of the churches of Saints Peter and Paul. So let's start with prayer this morning. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Defend your church, O Lord, by the protection of the holy apostles, that as she received from them the beginnings of her knowledge of things divine, so through them she may receive even to the end of the world an increase in heavenly grace. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Saints Peter and Paul, pray for us. Pray for us. We have a great show for you today, starting off with Jacob Zuma, who's actually in the Baton Rouge studio with Alicia and Damien right now. He's an artist, and he's going to be talking about Mary and Marian feast days. And you guys, go check out Jacob's work. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, So looking forward to speaking with him. That'll be in about six minutes today. In 18 minutes, Michael Borg joins us. He is the executive director of St. Vincent de Paul in the Archdiocese of New Orleans. And today he's going to update on the things that they need, volunteer opportunities, especially during the giving season in the New Orleans area. So stay with us. In 35 minutes, Jeff Young, the Catholic foodie, joins us with a foodie topic. That's always a fun time with Jeff, the Catholic foodie. I'm sure he's going to talk about maybe some Thanksgiving side dish or something fun. I think we have something else in mind. We learned we have a favorite restaurant in common, so we might talk about He surprises me. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and in 48 minutes, Father Jamin Javi joins us. He's a pastor over at St. Pastor over at St. Margaret, Queen of Scotland in Albany, Louisiana. He's going to be talking about the Feast of St. Margaret of Scotland that we celebrated earlier this week. So it's going to be a great show with great informative guests. Damien, and like Alicia said, it was definitely a chilly one this morning. Hard yeah. to get out of bed. <laughs> it was hovering around freezing, and but fortunately, those temperatures, 32 degrees whether it's a couple above or below not going to linger very long it's going to start warming up because we're going to have sunny skies today thank goodness with a few clouds but it won't last long because tomorrow we've got an 80 percent chance of rain in the forecast winds are going to be out of the east northeast today at five to ten miles an hour making it a tad bit chillier as well in fact the high today is 58 the low tonight is going to be 42 and tomorrow I don't know about you, but I am not a fan of when it's raining and when it's cold. Mm, Those two elements together uh, should only make ice. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay. Yeah, pretty smooth. And, and that's snow, right. right. And I like that in that's my right. tea. And so when I'm outside and it's that way, it's not my cup of tea. Uh, with that being said, <laughs> the temperatures are going to be in the upper 50s for the weekend and even going into Monday as well. So uh, the start the week off, we're going to have temperatures pretty much like we've been ex- mm-hmm. experiencing in and around the area. Uh, everybody's already above the freezing mark, which is good. Gulfport Biloxi showing 35 degrees. Mandeville, it's 33. Also in Baton Rouge, 33. New Orleans, 41. Warming up nicely already. And in the Bayou, Homa Thibodeau area, it's 38 degrees. Those are your temps and your forecast. Bring a poncho if you're going to the game tomorrow <laughs> night to see LSU play UAB. Congratulations to Tulane. Ooh, they put a whooping on SMU last night, yes. and they want there now with nine wins. They're gonna, they're wow. looking good, having a good season. We got more on Wake Up in a minute. I'm Father Chris Decker, and today's gospel is taken from Luke chapter 19. Jesus entered the temple area and proceeded to drive out those who were selling things, saying to them, It is written, My house shall be a house of prayer, and you have made it a den of thieves. And every day he was teaching in the temple area. The chief priests, the scribes, and the leaders of the people, meanwhile, were seeking to put him to death. But they could find no way to accomplish their purpose, because all the people were hanging on his words. Thank you, Father Chris Decker. Eight after the hour on a Friday morning. A happy Friday to you. We're so glad you could join us on Wake Up, and we're glad to have Jacob Zumo, who is a Catholic artist, and he's here in our studio this morning. He's also a big supporter of Catholic Community Radio, and it's always good to visit with Jacob because he's always working on something, and if he's not, it's amazing how he's gifted and God can just inspire him on the moment, on the spot. And what I mean by that is you were just at the Pro Vita event uh, two nights ago, was two it? Nights, yeah. Yeah. Tell us real quick what which, he does live paintings. You've heard us talk about it, but for those who aren't familiar with Jacob, amazing. Uh, I mean, he's at the beginning of the event and by the end of the event, the, the, the work is done. Yeah. What did you do this past uh, uh, two nights ago? For so, Pro Emily Freeba. Uh, I think the theme was uh, Divine Mercy. Okay. So she was like, you can take that or you can leave it. So um, ended up doing like a Sacred Heart, Divine Mercy kind of mashup. And, uh, yeah, we paid for, I think, eight-plus sisters to go That's awesome. on the walk. And, uh, yeah, it turned it out great. for the March for Life uh, DC for the Diocese of, of Baton Rouge to send some uh, sisters from Sister Dulcie's ministry, right? right. From missionaries or the... Yes. Okay. I'm at a, a loss. I need another sip of coffee and then go go right ahead. And <laughs> well, and and it's beautiful work. Can I, do you have it posted on your website? I don't yet. I okay. Don't yet. They have it on on Facebook somewhere mm-hmm. servicing. Okay. Mm-hmm. There you go. They, they'll see it on eventually. St. Michael's, right? All yeah. right. So you also have we and you're here today to talk about Mary and, and the Marian feast days that that are in the month of November. Uh, you also have a Mother Mary series, right. which you started a number of years ago, but it has just taken off. Mm-hmm. Share with us what inspired you to to create that series, and where's Mary in your life? Right, and I, I think Mary's always been um, a lifeline for me. Um, whether I was down or up, it was always like this this hand reaching out to Jesus that you know it, it was like my little lifeline to Him, 
and and that's kind of how I push it. Um, uh, it's just like a repetitive thing that keeps coming back in my life. Um, and so I started off doing my rosary in the morning, and I'd try and crank out as many as I can. And they're a little bit more simple of a design, you can see. Um, and so it was just a repetition thing of just like going back to Mary and it's kind of parallels in my life as well. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of where it came from. And um, my family being rich in the faith and my Aunt Dana, my mom, my Aunt Ava and grandma, they've always been like my little lifelines of, of coming back to the faith. So I kind of look at it that way. And, and were you always a, a staunch Catholic or... How was your life early on, not that you're old, but but how was your life early on in your younger teen days? Because we all seem to drift away and then come back. Right. And I guess I consider myself cradle Catholic. Um, and, uh, you know, we all have those, those on fire moments and mm-hmm. we have those down moments. And I've had, you know, so many of them. Um, and me and Scott Smith have been working on a little biography and book in the future. And um, we speak every Friday. And I'm like, man, I'm just worn out from <laughs> from awesome. my story yeah. um but but yeah she's she's just been a constant for me and yeah it's been do you have a, a special devotion to mary in in particular our lady of sorrows i think okay. um has been a good one for me I, I tell people if we can focus on jesus's passion um that our you know our worldly problems kind of diminish in a sense yes. Um, so I'd say Our Lady of Sorrows for sure. And, okay. you know, we are fortunate here at Catholic Community Radio at our Baton Rouge studios that we have uh, Our Lady of Sorrows that you painted at a Pro, at Vita, Pro Vita dinner Vita. several that years ago. Have, right. She's When you amazing. walk through our doors, that's She's right. Gorgeous. Yeah, it seems Mary. like the Pro Vita paintings always turn into, like, great little paintings that were done so quickly. That's um, beautiful. Yeah. beautiful. Was that another one of those uh, paint on the spot? That was. Pro I think Vita. that was one of the first. It was one of the first Pro Vita's. Yeah. 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 In fact, if you're watching our, our video stream, Jacob is wearing um, a part of your Mother Mary series, oh, yeah. right? He's wearing a say, T-shirt, a T-shirt, right? yeah. Because he's got a whole He doesn't just line. do paintings. Yeah. Yeah, you have a clothing line. Right, right. <laughs> so we try to push unapologetically Catholic wherever. That's awesome. If we can wear Nike and Adidas, we can wear sacred. So That's anything awesome. from apparel to furniture, pillows, etc. Caps. That's awesome. Caps, yeah. Yeah, yeah so you got to uh, – where do they go to look at your art and also to possibly pick up a, a number of your items for the holidays? It'd right. Great gifts for right. Christmas. Right, at jzumo.com. Okay. Um, or you can Pretty schedule simple. an appointment to come to the gallery too. Okay, um, which so. is just off Airline High. Right, right. Yeah, so uh, this weekend is uh, the presentation of the Blessed Virgin Mary. That's going to be uh, Monday, I believe. And tomorrow is the Our Lady of Good News and Good Tidings, Glad Tidings. Uh, any special thoughts regarding that? Um, you know, with Christmas coming up, you know, it's like, like I said, that lifeline to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like if we can focus towards Mary, um, we can get a little closer to Jesus. And um, just her story is incredible. Mm-hmm. It's like... You know, in our culture, in our climate right now, it's like what better image to empower women? Yes. Um, just her sacrifice and her, you know, giving her son. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we truly appreciate all the work that you do for Catholic Community Radio. Just so you guys know, he's also working on our Christmas card. Yeah. He did one last year. It was it's beautiful. Gorgeous. And um, you, you, you kind of shared with us before we went on the air <laughs> what what it was going to look like. Uh, so we're going to keep it under wraps for That's now. Right. Uh, what are anything you're working on in particular in in the weeks and months ahead? 
yeah, that you want to share um, with us? Yeah, we've got a couple shows, one at Queen Bee um, on December 1st. And I'm working on a date for uh, a showing at the gallery, but it looks like the LSU SEC championship <laughs> that we we may not have expected that we were going to be in. So we're having to change that date. So we'll, we'll be letting y'all know soon. Yeah, you don't want to go up against that. Like in Baton Rouge, that's yeah. how it goes, right? Yeah. Around the Tigers. Yeah. Okay. And, then, <laughs> and, and Queen Bee, what is that? It's um, it's a paper good. So they do like uh, gift cards, gift wrapping, and like story. smaller smaller things. So they've been real good to me. Okay. And they're and in um, Town, Town Center, Center with Whole Foods. Yeah, on the first. Okay. Beautiful and then show. I have a project with and Our so Lady when are you going to be there? You, you have that December date? 1st. December 1st, okay. And All a project right. with Our Lady Lake? Right, the Children's mm-hmm. Hospital. So. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. Releasing some of that you work, you're doing it now? On yeah. yeah. Beautiful. That's awesome. All right, looking forward to seeing that when you're done. All right, folks, Jacob Zumo, thank you as always you for being yeah. here on Catholic Community Radio to get our weekend started. It's 15 after. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for November 18th. Today we celebrate the dedication of the churches of Saints Peter and Paul. St. Peter's Basilica, probably the most famous church in Christendom, and St. Paul's Outside the Walls, the largest church in Rome until St. Peter's was rebuilt, are two of Rome's four major basilicas. Now massive in scale and a virtual museum of art and architecture, St. Peter's began when believers gathered to pray at St. Peter's tomb on Vatican Hill. In 319, Emperor Constantine built a basilica on that site that stood for more than a thousand years. In 1506, when the original building was near collapse, Pope Julius II ordered it raised and reconstructed, but the new basilica was not completed and dedicated for another two centuries. St. Paul's Outside the Walls was first constructed under Constantine on the site where Paul was believed to have been beheaded. The current edifice was constructed in 1823 after a fire destroyed the original church. From the earliest days, believers have prayed at the tombs of Peter and Paul. Some of us may be among those so privileged. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. It is 19 past the hour. Thanks so much for tuning in to Wake Up. You're listening to Catholic Community Radio. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Alicia Quibido and Damian Collado. Hope you're staying warm on this chilly Friday morning and drive safely to work, school, wherever you're headed this morning or with your cup of coffee. Stay with us because Michael Borg joins us. So excited to have him join us this morning. He is the Executive Director of St. Vincent de Paul and the Archdiocese of New Orleans. Good morning, Michael. Thanks for being with us. Well, good morning. Thanks for having me so much, Gabby. I really appreciate this. So we have a Michael in the Archdiocese St. Vincent de Paul and a Michael in the St. Vincent de Paul in Baton Rouge. Just uh, so great that you guys do what you do. Tell us a little bit about what's going on at St. Vincent de Paul in in New Orleans this year. Uh, One of the most exciting things is that we're celebrating 170 years. We were founded in um, 1852, you know, so uh, it it has been uh, 
a lesson looking at the history of God's divine providence more than anything. Uh, we have survived because God wants us to survive and help his people, you know? So just overjoyed yeah. with that. So we're going to spend a little time this year kind of, you know, celebrating that history. 170 years of assisting people in the art in the archdiocese of new orleans and one of your fo- founders was the godson of blessed frederick ozanam tell us a little bit about that yeah so he was actually originally a protestant who went to paris and uh for school and there mm-hmm. one of the faculty members was blessed frederick this gentleman converted saw what the society was doing in Paris. And when he came back to America, he settled in New Orleans. And he, he just he, he brought the rule with him um, because we're governed by the rule of the society. He brought the rule with him, went to St. Patrick's Church down in, in, in New Orleans, right in the downtown area, and um, really worked with the priest there who also had heard and was interested. And so we had... Here we have his godson with this priest who had also come from France and knew of the society, and they were both interested. You know, it was just, it's just a wonderful story. It truly, mm-hmm. truly is. Uh, just That's inspired amazing. by the fire of Frederick, really. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. And we're familiar with Ozanam Inn over in downtown New Orleans. It has, has helped so many people, especially the homeless. Uh, and, and there's no denying it, Michael, when you drive into the city of New Orleans, you can see it. You can see the tents. You can see the mattresses all uh, downtown in the Central Business District. How is St. Vincent de Paul in New Orleans helping and assisting those on the streets? Um, the way we do it is we work with many other organizations many are sister organizations so one would be DePaul USA so in our building we have DePaul USA which uh, again it comes from the national office and they are a rapid rehousing uh, group so they work with people and we have case managers who really try to figure out what are all the systemic problems that this person's facing you know perhaps Mm -hmm. it's uh, drug addiction or mental health issues or just uh, whatever is keeping them from re-entering, right, as a full member of society. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, those workers really work hard to figure out what the issues are, get those at least attended to, and then we work with them to get them into housing. And then we stay with them once they are in the housing as well. Because, you know, you go from actually a rather social place, a bit wild, but it's still a very social atmosphere of other people, to being in your own home and you're isolated. So having that presence, that constant presence in their life um, of the outreach workers is just phenomenal. And then once they're in there, our office really works uh, along with them to make sure, you know, rent is paid if they have a trouble with rent or or if the electricity needs to be kept on because they missed the payment or two because they had a problem mm-hmm. or something. And then we step in there. Yeah. Yeah. So working Yeah, hard. Michael, you know, 
Definitely. And let's talk about the program that was started last year called Nourishing Louisiana. The price of almost everything has gone up and sometimes it kind of goes down and then it goes up again, you know, and it's really hard for a lot of people. So talk about this programming uh, program that helps those who uh, are struggling to pay for groceries or need a meal. Yeah, well, kind of two things with nourishing, um, really. Our, th- what this is, it's a Vista AmeriCorps program that we have housed in our building. And so basically the federal government is paying for some of our Vista volunteers, and then we have our staff, which manage and run and work with them, train them. And what we're doing is we go out to food pantries to build capacity. So it's mm-hmm. it can be a whole host of things getting more volunteers to come in and work, or it's they're running out of certain foodstuffs because the demand lately, as you said, has just been really increasing week after week. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's tough. So we are there to help those people in there. And then Vincentians themselves, our volunteers, our Vincentian volunteers, through a whole host, over 30 parishes throughout the archdiocese, had their own food bank on top of that, right? And so we're wow. giving out, you know, I, I, my wife and I are members of St. Rita out in Harahan and a member of, of that conference. And um, we see, last week, I think we saw right around 40 families. You know, that's 120 people wow. that we're feeding every week who need that help. Wow. And we're doing that times 30 across the archdiocese. Um, mm-hmm. Need is great. <laughs> um, Absolutely. And, yeah. Absolutely. And, and Michael, you also say that today you have over 500 Vincentians in the Archdiocese in 35 different parishes. You help with rent assistance, utilities, burials, um, like you said, uh, food and feeding these families as well. Uh, this is the giving season. People would like to uh, donate or help out or volunteer. So talk about some volunteer opportunities you have, especially as we get closer to Thanksgiving. Um, so we are already in full swing in Thanksgiving in that regard. <laughs> um, one of the things I would point to is we do a giveaway in mid-December where we could use help, um, where we will give out 400 baskets uh, to families wow. um, to help them through the holidays. And we work really hard at that, and, and we are incredibly blessed by the Academy of the Sacred Heart here in New Orleans. Those families, those alumni, they're the ones who put all these baskets together. And they give them to us. They entrust them to us. And then all of our Vincentians and volunteers, we go out and, you know, we do what we call a home visit where we go in and we visit with families in their home to better assess what their needs are. And these are the families that we're going back to and bringing these baskets to. So that's amazing. That, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Oh my exciting. goodness. Let, let's also, that is exciting. <laughs> let's also talk about your thrift store over on the West Bank. So the St. Vincent de Paul thrift store, uh, where is it located and the benefits that it provides? Um, it's located at 4043 4th street in Marrero. Um, it's it's more than anything. I always like to tell people it's a sign of hope in a community that perhaps doesn't have too much hope. Um, it's in an area that 
not that it's a horrible area, but it's, it's, these are working class, really struggling people trying to make it week to week. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. what the store offers them, one, is just clothing and, and things for their home and an incredibly affordable house. You know, get a whole dish set for $5, you know, <laughs> and if you wow. need them. Um, but the other thing that it does is, one, for people who are possibly uh, a little bit harder to employ, um, we offer them training. We offer them experience. Mm. We offer them, you know, a job. Um, and that's a, that's a really good, good thing that we're providing there for them. And then the people who go to our stores or to any St. Vincent de Paul store across the country, one of the things they have to realize is that, you know, you're not only getting a good deal, but all the mm-hmm. profits, every penny of the profits from that store goes back to those other services that you had mentioned, you know, when we are helping people with their light yes. bill, when we are helping people with their rent, or perhaps mm-hmm. burying a loved one or something like that. That's, that, you know, it, it, it's just, it's a, it's a great way of a community helping itself and uh, just being a, really a, a, a glimpse, a, a little bit of hope in a neighborhood. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's incredible what you guys do. Michael Borg, Executive Director of St. Vincent de Paul and the Archdiocese of New Orleans. Michael, we have about 30 seconds left. Where can we go to find out more information about what you do in volunteer opportunities? Sure. Please go to our website, which is SVDP, so St. Vincent de Paul, New Orleans.org. And if they want to call us at our office, it's 504 504- Perfect. Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for all that you do. Oh, thank you so much. And what what your radio station does is an incredible service to our entire region. So thank you, guys. Thank you so much, Michael. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Jeb Young, the Catholic foodie, joins us when we come back from the break. It is half past the hour on Wake Up. minutes after the hour. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Community Radio. You're listening to Wake Up. I'm Alicia Quibido with Damian Collado and Gabby Smith. And it is Friday and I've missed chatting with my friend Jeff Young. He is the founder and producer of the Catholic Foodie blog and podcast. And he's the author of Around the Table with the Catholic Foodie Middle Eastern uh, Cuisine. And uh, he is the Catholic Foodie. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, y'all. How are you? I'm cold. It is a little chilly. <laughs> it is a little chilly. I'm about ready to get my third cup of coffee. Yeah. It's, it's there a, you go. It's there a little go. chilly this morning. Well, um, so what you want to talk about this morning? I think we have something in common well, we thought we'd talk about. I think so. I think you went somewhere recently that I've been before. I did. I did. So I just returned from a uh, trip to the Holy Land. That was a whole. That's a whole other topic. We can we can delve into it. It was an amazing uh, adventure, and uh, just so blessed to be able to walk in the feet of uh, in the footsteps of our Lord and experience so many amazing things. And uh, as I was going along in my trip, and and I mentioned this yesterday morning, but I was trying to journal every night. Uh, my pastor had suggested we do that, and it was a great 
great way to remember because you, there's so much that you experience. You really need to have a record of that, right? So, um, so, but then, you know, you get tired. <laughs> like you're walking miles and cobblestones <laughs> and steps and all this. So, uh, so I found an easier way was to uh, do a little social media post so that I could remember where I was on what day and what I experienced. And I had this comment from our friend Char Young saying, uh, Alicia, you went to a restaurant that is Jeff Young's favorite restaurant. And I have to say, Jeff, Magdalena was uh, one of the best meals that we had in the Holy Land. And so that's your favorite. Yeah, yeah, that's it, it is. It's, you know, when, when we went to the Holy Land in uh, 2014, you know, it was specifically a food and faith pilgrimage. So yes. we did all the regular pilgrimage stuff that you would normally do, but we specifically had um, a whole foodie type track built in. Wow. And so we would not only go to nice restaurants, a lot of times we were able to go into the kitchen and try to, you know, see how it's prepared at least, yeah. and sometimes even get our hands dirty, get in there and get to help uh, cook. And we also went to, you know, wineries and, and brewery, uh, one brewery. And uh, uh, so we had some it, it really neat kind of food experiences. Um, but Magdalena topped them, you know, and it, it was, I think, on multiple different levels. I mean, Magdalena is in Migdal. It's right there by the Sea of Galilee. It's the, uh, traditionally uh, known as the, uh, the hometown of Mary Magdalene. Mm-hmm. That's who the restaurant's named after. And uh, uh, Chef Joseph Hanna, this is where kind of everything kind of came together uh, for me. The, the plan was originally we're all going to be able to go into the kitchen to to watch this demonstration of how he makes the traditional St. Peter's fish, right? Which is a whole tilapia Mm -hmm. from the Sea of Galilee, which we had just been on that morning, Mm. which is kind of cool. Yes. And uh, it's, you know, gutted and scaled and scored. And then they they, kind of uh, uh, season it a certain way and they stuff it with what looks to me almost like a, a, um, a little more liquidy kind of a tabbouleh. Oh, you know, okay. with the parsley and the onion and the tomato and the garlic and you know all this kind of yummy stuff Yum. in it, and and then it's it's uh, it's baked in in the oven, and um, it, we couldn't all fit into the kitchen. So Chef Joseph had invited me to come back and see and then to help them prepare it. Now what I didn't know at the time wow. was that um, Joseph Hanna, the chef, is actually Lebanese. Really, and you know, my wife is Lebanese. Yes, and so it, it's really interesting because in the in the Holy Land, it, really in a whole area of the Middle East, the, the different countries refer to Lebanon as the Middle East's kitchen, because uh-huh. in in some kind of way, the Lebanese, even though they all have the similar you know ingredients and dishes and everything else, Lebanon is seen as the place where what they have in common has really been perfected. Oh. And so they refer to it as, as, you know, Lebanese is the kitchen of the Middle East. Okay. And uh, so it was interesting because we're walking back there. We did have a, a little language barrier. He knew a little bit of English. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a, uh, our guy could translate. But as we're walking back to the kitchen, I mentioned that my wife was Lebanese. And I was seeing certain things in the kitchen that looked really familiar. Like, we cooked this stuff, you know? Yes. And uh, he was just so tickled. And I felt like because of that, I got the royal treat. You know? <laughs> uh, but we were like little kids. I have, I can send you the, the link. There's pictures. I can send you oh, the link. Great. Oh, great. Uh, oh, do. Done. Y'all can post it. Yes. But it was, we were like little kids in the kitchen, 
you know, our, our little kids in a candy that store. That candy online. store, yes. You know, talking back and forth uh, uh, about this. But everything was fresh. It was like um, he, he said, actually, in an article, I, I found this when I got back. There was an article where he said that, that Magdalena itself is a unique concept. He, mm-hmm. he makes Galilee-style Arabic food. But he's influenced, you know, by his Lebanese and Mediterranean cuisine. Wow. So he took the the traditional Galilee-style food and upgraded it in order to uh, make it into a contemporary gourmet food. Wow. Um, He says he mostly uses local ingredients and he cooks according to the season with with a fine twist. And Magdalena Restaurant has been called the first Arab gourmet restaurant in the country. So that was... um, it was just such a treat to uh, to be there, and to and it was one of those meals that that we love, right? Where yes, it's not rushed. It's not like you know. Unfortunately, I think you know. When I grew up in my own family. We would do Thanksgiving this way. My mom and dad would get up early. They cook for four hours, at least, mm-hmm. and then we'd sit down at the table and we'd be done eating in ten minutes. Oh. You know, and yes. so this was the exact opposite. And what I tried to implement in my my own family with my wife's family's influence, right, is to stretch that out and to linger at table. Yeah. And so we do things in courses and all that. Well, that's how this meal was. Yeah. But we had everyone in the pilgrimage there, and it was just it. You know, the restaurant was open just for us, and so wow. you you had that opportunity. He came out and and was visiting with everyone and. You know, I had the opportunity to kind of go from table to table and, and, and visit with everyone. It was just such a such a delight. That's wonderful. You know, Jeff, what, one thing that, that throughout our journey in the Holy Land uh, that I really loved was, uh, and, and this is probably not the right uh, way to equate this, but, you know, you walk into a Mexican restaurant, the first thing they put down is chips and salsa, right? Uh, the first right. thing when we, you walk into any restaurant uh, in the Holy Land in that area, there are these wonderful small bowls stretched across the table of all these delicious items, uh, wonderful uh, olives and the, the pickled carrots and a little bit of hummus and just a wonderful combination of fresh, fresh ingredients that have such interesting taste to them. Uh, we really enjoyed that. In fact, one of my friends who was traveling with me, we were thinking she was thinking that was dinner, you know, like that. That was no, a right. great that was a great part, but there was still more to come. Uh, so just a wonderful exactly what you said, hospitality and that really enjoying uh, the meal and um, and every little bit of flavor that comes that comes your way. What a great experience. I did not have uh, the Peter's fish uh, there. I had a fabulous uh, seafood pasta dish there that was one of uh, the best meals I had. We did have, after we had been on the Sea of Galilee the next day, uh, had Peter's fish at a different location. And um, mm. and it, it, it was great. It was wonderful. And we had the option of, you know, the filet or the whole fish. And I thought, you know, when in Rome, right? So I did the whole fish, right. uh, but was thinking I, I needed a little Tony Sashery's, but that's just me. <laughs> but it well, would have been funny. wonderful. Go ahead. I was looking at the the recipe because the recipe for St. Peter's fish is in my in my book. Okay, they, they had shared the recipe with me, 
But I did add cayenne into the mix, so I have to. I, you can't take the Louisiana out of us, right? That's right. That's right. So, Jeff, do you have that recipe on your uh, on your blog? Can people find that recipe I for St. Peter's fish? Okay, I, will you I, send I us that it's link? It's in the book, and I think it's I think it's on the website too. Yeah, I'll send that to you. Okay, okay, that would be awesome. Jeff, do you know real quick why they don't season their food like we do? Um. <laughs> Well, they just haven't been blessed as we have. You know what I mean? Ah, okay. Um, <laughs> I think no, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just different. Well, I know that the, everything, every, you think about it, right? Everything's local to everywhere. Right. Yes. So back right. then, I mean, they're they going to use what they have on hand. So it's and, just a different different flavor, different flavor. Yeah, and there were some spicy things, too. It's not that everything was, they're just different flavors. So Jeff Young, Catholic Foodie, thanks so much for joining us. Check, us, check him out at Catholic foodie.com. Stick around. Father Jamin Davi joins us next. It's 15 minutes before the hour on Wake Up. Twelve minutes before the top of the hour on this Friday morning. So glad you are here. Alicia Quivido and Gabby Smith and yours truly, Damian Collado, are joined by Father Jamin Davi. He is pastor at St. Margaret Queen of Scotland in uh, Albany, of all places, here to talk about the Feast of uh, St. Margaret of Scotland. And, uh, of course, uh, Father Jamin is also, you, you're vicar general as well for the diocese. I wear a lot of hats, Damian. He wears a ton of hats. Well, I know. Good morning to you, but I I, I didn't know if I should cover the gamut of all the titles that you bestow. He has a new one, He's got a new one now, too. What's the new one? With the, uh, well, he can tell us, I'm too. The, yeah, I am. I'm the man. National Treasurer for the Canon Law Society of America. Right? I'm a for punishment. Oh my. He's a fancy. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> man. Well, uh, I'm glad you have the time to do that. <laughs> it's somewhere in between, right? Right. He does it in his sleep, well, I'm guessing. I know you are uh, loved over there in Albany at St. Margaret, Queen of Scotland, and uh, we've got a special place in our heart, too, at St. Jude Catholic Church in Baton Rouge because we kind of adopted you when the her the, the, the storm came through your area just a little over a year ago. Tell us what's going on before we get into uh, uh, the saint and, and all the good things that she's done to, to inspire well, so, us. So, so many friends adopted us, and St. Jude was one of the many, so we appreciate everyone's generosity. You know, this is a big week because not only did we celebrate the patronal feast of Margaret on Wednesday, mm-hmm. but on Thursday we celebrated the feast of the dedication of the church because three years ago we actually did the full-scale renovation. So we have two solemnities back-to-back on Wednesday and Thursday of this week, so many reasons to celebrate this week at St. Margaret. Yes, and uh, tell us a little bit about St. Margaret. Did you know much about her before you became pastor there? You know, I didn't, but I was quickly schooled, um, (laughs) and and there was a lot of controversy about our patron here at St. Margaret. So uh, the Hungarians, um, St. Margaret in this area, is the largest rural Hungarian settlement in the United States. And Hungarians that originally built the church actually had a devotion to Margaret of Hungary, not to be confused with Margaret of Scotland. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the church was created, though, they wanted uh, the church to be named after Margaret of Hungary. The problem was canon law at that time prevented someone who was just beatified, Margaret of Hungary was only beatified, not canonized yet, to be the patroness of the church. So Archbishop of New Orleans said, well, we're going to name the place Margaret of Scotland. And everybody got upset, but one of the things they didn't know was that Margaret of Scotland was Hungarian by birth. 
while she was English uh, in the bloodline, she was actually born in Hungary, making her a Hungarian by trade. So uh, eventually uh, she made her way back to England, made her way back to Scotland, married Malcolm, uh, had eight children, I believe, uh, three of which became kings, two of which became saints. And, and she was most known for her piety and her charity, uh, educated by the Benedictines, uh, but going and reaching out to the poor and serving their needs uh, every single evening. Uh, a wonderful example of faith for us to model ourselves after, especially when we reach out to the disenfranchised in times of natural disaster, in times of calamity. Yeah, and interesting how she was able to meet uh, King Malcolm the uh, Third because it wasn't intentional and it wasn't one of those set up marriages like they used to have back in the day. Literally stumbled across him, right? Uh, some mm-hmm. some of the legend goes that uh, the boat that she and her family was on was sort of misdirected, and she stumbled into Scotland, literally. <laughs> Yes, and in fact, they they say that the place where the ship docked is called St. Margaret's Hope. I looked that up, and that's right. Ni- nice little spot to go visit when you do go there. <laughs> uh, now, as as far as as she goes, though, what what got her to the sainthood? What was she doing in her life besides raising eight children uh, to to really uh, be uh, recognized as a saint? I think it was a couple of things. You know, one of the biggest, uh, Malcolm was known of being a little bit more aggressive, perhaps, and not necessarily being of a Christian background. Um, so bringing her husband to appreciate and understand the faith, making him a convert in an essence, uh, was one of the big things. But then also, just how she lived out that piety, even though she was uh, from royal lineage. Um, if you read some of the, the life and the stories of Margaret, uh, she wouldn't go to bed every night until she fed a certain amount of people uh, hmm. food from the royal table. Um, she always participated in nightly prayer and education. She was educated by the Benedictines originally. Uh, so having uh, a priest at her leisure, but also making sure that prayer was one of the ultimate things that she did. Uh, and she even liked in her spare time, I suppose, uh, to make vestments and other liturgical apparel uh, to make sure that the liturgy was celebrated with uh, due diligence and, and with the most appropriate things that possibly could happen. Yeah, and she was, uh, as she got older, uh, she prayed so much that, the, uh, from what I understand, she prayed in a cave which is known as St. Margaret's Cave in today's world. That's correct. Any yeah. reason and, why and she most prayed in a cave? Yeah. Most of the stories you read about her, um, she actually felt a call to religious life before she married Malcolm. Okay. Um, so, so just that, that experience of God, the divine, and wanting to continue to commune with the Lord, I think, was one of the foundational elements uh, that led to her sanctity and led, led her to become such a, a wonderful example of faith to follow. Yeah. And she died in 1093 at the age of 48. She really wasn't that old. A young lady, when we renovated our church, uh, we actually put an effigy, a statue of her outside, uh, and one of the things that we did was uh, we left her barefooted so that we could show sort of the the rural nature of our community, but also to show um, sort of the the toughness that she had as as the woman that led the royal court, uh, converted her husband, uh, but did wonderful acts of charity and piety, even at such a young age. Yeah, and when was she canonized? 
Oh, let's see. It, it came much later. I think twelve fifty. Uh, okay. um, Pope Innocent the fourth, if if I'm not mistaken. If my history serves me well. Yeah, yeah. It does, and and she became the patroness of uh, Scotland in sixteen seventy three. So centuries mm-hmm. later, after that. But uh, uh, anything else you want to add before we wrap up this morning about uh, Saint Margaret? Well, and, and if you ever come to our community, you'll see that one of the things we did with our branding, with our logo, is to go back to that original history we had about Margaret of Hungary versus Margaret of Scotland. Uh, the image that we had created of her sort of melds the two images of the Margaret together just to play on that little history and misunderstanding <laughs> that we have. Uh, but nowadays, we actually have a statue both of Margaret of Hungary and of Margaret of Scotland, uh, mm-hmm. and, and also Elizabeth of Hungary, too, who's feast day our church was dedicated upon so that uh, we can use all three of those saints and ask their intercession so that we can grow in holiness uh, after the example of all those good hungarians that's wonderful would you mind leaving us with a prayer and a blessing to wrap up our week here on wake up yes indeed And, and so we pray good and gracious god you give us the example of all the many saints who have come before us may we follow the example of all of our patrons specifically St. Margaret of Scotland. Help us to grow every day, O Lord, in the virtues of piety and charity, that we might serve you, but also might serve all of our neighbors. We ask all of your blessings upon each and every one of us who tune in, who hear your word and reflect upon it, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Father Jamin David, pastor at St. Margaret, Queen of Scotland in Albany, also Vicar General of the Diocese of Baton Rouge and a number of other titles <laughs> that go along with that. Thank you for being with us. Have a blessed weekend. Always good to hear from you all and enjoy this nice, cool, crisp weather. Yes. Thank all you. Right. Uh, okay. That's it for this week. Gabby? Yeah. Catch us back here Monday at 7 a.m. Central Time. Dr. Tom Ryan, Interim Vice President for Mission and Identity at Loyola University of New Orleans, talks about his Reflections book called Living the Word 2022 Year A. Dr. Kevin Voss joins us. Alan Migliorato with Failing Forward Leadership Lessons for Catholic Teens today has a topic on raising Catholic teens. Jeremiah Harrison with the new liturgical planner and so much more. Have a wonderful Friday and a great weekend and stay warm. God bless. Wake Up is a production of Catholic Community Radio.